I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. And that was one of the funniest things that I've seen in a while. It was really funny. Anyway, we're like... We're like almost 10 minutes into this. <laughs> oh, has it been recording? Oh, uh, we were recording forever. Yeah. Uh, Abigail. Hey, what's up? This hey. is fun. Do you go by Abigail or Abby? I don't know. Or it Alan? It depends on the person. Alan, yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes you're feeling a little masculine, but I don't know. It depends. Like if my mother calls me Abigail, I'm like, oh, you're fuck, like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But then there's some people that like they've always called me Abigail. So they called me Abby. Like I wouldn't know that they were talking it, it to me. It would feel weird. Right. What, should, what should we call you? Uh, whatever you want, All right. quite honestly. Well, Alan... Um, uh, <laughs> I uh, myself. <laughs> we, we've actually met a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I believe the first time we met was at our live show here in Halifax <laughs> yeah. at Cineplex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Huge crowd, fucking wicked show. Like Probably one of my favorite live shows we've ever done. Really yeah, me too. So good. We cried the whole time. And you bawled your eyes out <laughs> in the front row... The whole time and snorted. <laughs> snorted we called yes. you up for snorting. And yeah. then I was like, oh, she's crying. We probably shouldn't have called her out. But she's also still snorting. So I feel like it's okay. <laughs> it was such like a sensory overload. It was like, especially when you're like, oh, like you snorted. I was like, ha ha. <laughs> yeah, you were like Kim Kardashian ugly crying. Like it was, I could not. I started crying wait, before we entered the theater. Why were we you were like, crying? I was like, I don't know. Were you sad? I know. I was. <laughs> it was the worst show I've ever seen I in my life. Hate this podcast. <laughs> Why did I spend all my money on this? No, like, because I started listening to you guys when you were like three episodes in, mm-hmm. like way back when, and then like when I saw the tickets got posted for the All Ages show, I was like, holy shit! And then like got there, and I was like. I'm gonna meet these people. Right, because how old are you? You're 18? I'm 19. You're 19 now. Yeah. Oh, you're legal drinking age now. <laughs> yeah. Because I believe you may have drank in our presence once when you were <laughs> yeah. not technically legal drinking age. Yeah, we're past that. Statute <laughs> of limitations. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, but you, you know what? I have to say this. The reason I brought that up mm-hmm. is, um, you know, and it, like, yeah, it's funny to look back on and be like, ah, oh, there was like that girl that was crying at our live show. Like, how <laughs> fucking weird is that? And kind of crazy. But it, but it's, <laughs> and, and so snorty. Um, but that was that was honestly a moment for me, where and we've had a number of these moments throughout the show. But it was it was a moment where it really, um, it really landed for me how, and this is not a this is not a humble brag. This is this has, I don't this has nothing to do with us. It it made me realize how important the conversations that happen yeah. on the show can be for some people. Um, and, and also it like, I felt so grateful that I get to be a part of those conversations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like it really hammered home the importance of what it means to be able to hear people just openly speak about their experiences. 
And that's not just, you know, that's not special to this podcast. That is something that can and does happen elsewhere. Um, but to see you that night and to see how, like, how <laughs> grateful you were for being there. And uh, it really was just like the most, one of the most heartwarming moments of my entire life. Oh, like, actually. <laughs> Glad I could do that. And so, but then it come, we come to find out that you've also applied to be on the show. Yeah. Because you have this, like, very, um, uh, I guess like thick history with with mental health issues. Yeah, which I don't As know. If you couldn't pick up on that from well, the very visceral reaction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just bawling you're your like, eyes. God out. damn, she's normal. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I don't know. Like in a way, you you <clears throat> seem really normal too. So Thank yeah, you. and and I guess I guess <laughs> you're doing I, a great job. I, I guess Thanks the so I guess the funny thing about that statement though is the fact that like aren't aren't we all normal and aren't we all a little Unique fucked and up weird at the same time. At the same time, yeah, absolutely. Yes, but then it comes to the point where it's like, oh, we're all special. But some people, like, it's just you're kind of sick. So it's like, yeah, like, not sick as in like, well, you're fucked up. But like, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's great to be special and we're all unique in our own ways. But there's a point of being unique where you're like, this isn't fun, mm. right? And I don't. This isn't a quirk. So what? What is it then? Like, what? What is that kind of concoction of things that are going on in? inside of your head mm. gonna start when i was eight years old <laughs> when you were mo- eight my mother um and my sister and i we met up with her sister and our two cousins at crystal palace oh i in, love that place Moncton. does crystal palace still exist no oh. it closed down man you guys remember the fucking swing that the oh the, i remember the, yeah my grandparents lived really close by and like we used to go so for people who don't know like, which is probably most people. Everyone outside of fucking Nova Scotia <laughs> and New Brunswick. Crystal Palace was this, like, amazing indoor theme park. Amazing. It was, like... I disagree. It was amazing for, like, a four-year-old. It was, yeah, basically. it was amazing if you were a baby. And it had, like, uh, it had a shitty roller coaster, a giant set of swings that was actually like not that giant. climbing. There was, like, all this, all this stuff. There was, right? like, some cool, like, arcade stuff, and that was, was pretty much it. I was yeah. so excited to go. I was so excited. And because we took a train there. The train to Moncton, and my mom's legally blind, so I got to be on the train for free. And I was like, "Oh whoa!" I was like, "I'm on the train for free." And then we watched the sister of the traveling pants, and we ate cereal on the train. And I was wait, like, you watched the sister? Your mom listened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she didn't watch she it. She can kind of see. <laughs> she can see well enough, but technically. I get a free train pass. Right, so sure. Take okay. that as is, that, well. is that like see it like via rail? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So wait, if you're if you're legally blind, yeah, you can get on via rail for free. Yeah, and then your and, your aid can. Yeah. Oh. So wait, wait, wait. Hold on. So you were eight years old. I just want to say that I don't know for sure. If or maybe she paid for can. a ticket, but you got yeah. you like you're the aid, so you get yes. on for free. I don't know for sure. That makes more sense. Right. Yeah. So we got there, and I was so excited, and we like. Went to our fancy hotel by the casino. <laughs> we showed up, and then, like, second we walked in the doors, I just, like, my stomach dropped, and I just burst into tears, and I was, like, just complete panic attack. Oh, wow. I just lost my shit. It was just... First time it's, ever. It's indoor. Never had happened before. Like, I was, I was, like, a weird kid, but I was so happy. Right. Like, nothing scary. I used to, like go up to strangers in the supermarket and be like, I just finished the fifth Anna Green Gables book and I want to talk to you about my opinions on it. Like, <laughs> just like, right? Like, just I would wear wigs out in public and I would just do all this, like, like nothing scared me. 
Crystal Palace scared the shit out of me. Whoa. <laughs> Crystal Whoa. Palace, I blame for my issues with anxiety. I mean, I, I haven't been to Crystal Palace, I don't think, since I was like maybe six or seven or yeah. eight. So like somewhere around there. Probably the same, similar age to you. I don't, I don't you. know if it was just like the overstimuli, but I know I ruined the vacation. <laughs> well, when I think about it now as a 31-year-old, like the my me, my very faint but like very present memory of it is – is like is exactly that is like yeah. stimulation overload. It's like my sister and my cousins were like, oh fuck yeah, and I was like, Mom, <laughs> you're like, fuck no, <laughs> take me the fuck out of here. But honestly I though, like it. it's like Jared. I'm glad that your memory is like that because I guarantee you, if you walked, if it was still open today, if you walked <laughs> in right now, you'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like oh man, what, are we just stumble into the fucking Micmac Mall? What's going on? And here? the other thing was like. I've always had like like a metaphobia. Like I've been terrified of vomiting like my whole life. And oh. you guys have done episodes on that before. Yeah. And I just terrified me. And like something in my mind, I was like, if someone goes on a ride, they're going to get sick. And I was freaking out because my sister did all the rides. And I was like, Megan's going to throw up. And mom's like, it doesn't even affect you. And I was like, Megan's going to throw up. <laughs> She's going to do it. Like I just, I could, and just watching people coming off rides, I'm like, oh, they're going to the car, like they're near the garbage. They're going to throw up. They're going to so, throw up. So you stuck, you stayed though. It wasn't like like I you walked leave. in and you freaked out and your mom was like, I guess we got to fucking take her home. No, my her. mom was like. Fuck no! Like yeah. we paid to come. You're being here. a kid. You're you know you're having yeah. a fucking. It was just tantrum. Yeah, right. You know what's much. interesting though? Like I I worked a lot with um, younger kids in through coaching, and <clears throat> um, I'm thinking back now, and like there's a ton of times where not a ton of times, but a handful of times where there was like these younger kids who were having now what is only after hearing you tell that story, I'm thinking of like oh maybe they were having a panic attack. And as right. as like an adult who has hasn't had that experience as a kid or gone through something like that, I was kind of just like, Oh, come on, like just stop being the way that you're being. There's no rational reason for you like, to be like that. When I would that, like so. lose my shit as a kid and just have like a hissy fit, like I knew that I was just having a hissy fit and I could stop crying if I wanted, right? I was just being yeah. a little bitch. But like this was like I was like, I am gonna cry until I throw up and that's gonna make me cry even more. Like I was just like so like like heaving in the chest and just like, like this was clearly say, new. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, it was so, and it was very unlike me because mm. I was very dramatic anyway, but this was like, like I could tell it was like, Oh fuck. Like this isn't normal. Was there anything in the moment that, um, that your mom or anybody else around you realized that like, Oh, this is something different or is it only in hindsight that you're looking back it's at hindsight. this? Like, and mommy taking me outside kind of thing. And I was just like losing my shit. And I was like, I can't go back in. I want to go home. Like I can't do this. I need to leave. Dad needs to come get well, dad's away. Like, and I'm like, well, fuck, we need to get back on the train. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need to go home. But like, when, now when was the, the, you know, this is the very first time. Yeah. Was this the 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 catalyst to like? Did this continue, or yeah. was it? Or was was there a good span of time before the next sort of like, was like freak a good out? span of time? Like as soon as like we got back to the hotel that night, I was like, I'm cool. I'm kind of dehydrated, but I'm cool. Like <laughs> right. I'm chill. And then like it was like that was pretty much it. And then I think it was when I was like 11 or 12, just like classic teenage angst time, but mm-hmm. like preteen angst time. And then just like everything just started creeping back in. And <coughs> of course, like continuously, always been terrified of puking <laughs> to this day. Cannot mm-hmm. throw up. But also just things like I all of a sudden something clicked and I was like, I can't fly on planes. And I would just start having like 
screaming breakdowns on airplanes where I was just like, I'm going to fucking die. I'm Had you die. flown before? before yeah. You did? Okay. So we you... used to fly like at least once a year up to visit my family in Ottawa. Okay. And then that one really peaked. I was with my dancing. We were supposed to be going to Hamburg, Germany. And I was supposed to be dancing a lead position. Um, it's Irish dancing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, lead position at their Polizzi show, which is like their tattoo basically. And I was like, I was like, okay, so it's two hours to Heathrow and it's another seven hours to Hamburg. Fuck am I going to do? And then like, I basically like, I just took as much gravel as I could and I passed it on the plane. Like it was fine. Sure. Right. And then that all just kind of dissipated. But like leading up to that, it was like a year plus where I couldn't even go on an hour long flight to Ottawa kind of thing. And I would be on like flight attendants and be like, we're going to have to, we can't take off until you like calm the fuck down oh you were whoa, like freaking out in the whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I thought you were just like this was going on in your head but no, like like i was like sobbing my eyes out like we're gonna fucking die mom and she's like oh, whoa. No. <laughs> like, oh my god i'm not that kind of person where i'm like i need to let everyone know that i'm in pain <laughs> that i'm suffering right but it was just like in my head like and even if i'd be like oh like no we're fine we're fine we're fine there's just like this feeling like, but I know in my gut, this plane's going to crash. Okay, Jared, picture this. You're in an airport and uh, <clears throat> Abby comes up to you and you don't know who she is. <laughs> she comes up to you right before the flight and she just starts, she's, she, her eyes are puffy and swollen because she's been crying. And she goes, the plane that you're about to get on is going to go down. <laughs> Would you get on the flight? Oh, fuck no. I've watched enough <laughs> movies. Dude, I've watched enough movies. I know. As yeah. soon as someone says that to you, you go, I'll take the next one. Like, See, I would get on and I'd be like, that girl is crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Did you watch the very was. first Final Destination? That's like the ex- first scene of the entire movie. I can't drive behind log trucks, though, on the highway. Yeah, yeah. That's, I get but then that. it was also other things. Right. right. So, like, flying was one of those things that was like, I know that if I even get in an airport, that's going to, it's panic attack time. Right. Right. But then other things, like, I just, lost it basically between like I was a really skinny kid this naturally so this kind of ties into everything else later but like I was very very skinny I mean you're you're a very small human like you know you're <laughs> petite. yeah petite you're a petite agree to disagree uh, like, oh, yeah, well I guess we'll get there <laughs> I guess we'll get into that but like obviously foreshadowing uh, from yeah from my perspective sitting across the table from you you're you're a very little person, so like <laughs> to be a, like uh, to to be a skinny child, like I mean, you would you I can't imagine you would have been the tiniest little girl. It like, was like, and I wore like hand me downs and everything for my family, so it would go through like my oldest cousins to my sisters, yeah, through my youngest cousins to me, right? Like I was just I had like nothing. I was yeah. just like a stick, and then kind of I started dancing around fifth grade, and then sixth grade, seventh grade, and then it was like I remember in sixth grade there was a boy I liked. And he was like, how much do you weigh? Because like, it's how 11th year old, 11 year olds talk, right? And I was like, I weigh 80 pounds. And he was like, I weigh 75. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> like, I'm fat. <laughs> like, oh, the boy no. I like, who's like a foot shorter than me is lighter than I am, right? And yeah, then, like girls at that age go through puberty first. So they are oh. like naturally like taller. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I thought it was the coolest thing though. <laughs> and then like seventh grade. I remember like the exact day I hit a hundred pounds, I lost my shit because I would weigh myself all the time mm-hmm. just cause, just to make sure I stayed around the general weight. This and is, then, this is all so fascinating to me. Um, not sorry to cut you off, but yeah, no, no. Um, the, it's so crazy to hear you talk about um, all of these separate 
incidences, all these separate sort of occasions where each one has its own sort of um, ties to like some sort of mental health issue. Yeah. Right. So like the anxiety attack at Crystal Palace. <laughs> yeah. And that's its, that exists in its own little bubble. And then the the like, you know, irrational panic about time on a plane going to Hamburg. And and now this like one incident with this with this boy that's and, and this is like, you know, sure, an anxiety, but like a little bit different. It's like it's now focusing on on like you and your body. That's and the thing. Before then it was things around things you. Things around you. And but now that's it's, when things turn like, well, maybe it's me. Yeah. Yeah. Things are wrong with me. At such a fucking young age. Yeah. And it was around like that time once I kind of because I'd always weighed myself. Right. I right. just always had. I liked knowing how much I weighed. I liked being like, oh, I'm only 52 pounds. Like fifth grade, I was 50 pounds. Right? right. And that was like my talking point, especially like older kids. I'm like, I'm 50 pounds. And they're like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, my right. older sister was like, no one fucking cares. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But it's it's weird because like we we like measure that shit when we're growing, you know, like like not mm-hmm. not necessarily weight, but like. They're like marking your head. Oh, congratulations. You're a little bit taller. Like, and even why sometimes does it really when, matter like, anyway? I just, like a side note, you'll kind of notice that like when a lot of like younger boys are growing up, as they're getting heavier, it's like a, it's like a, a big thing to be gaining weight. Because like, oh, I'm the biggest in my class. My if, dad literally gave me $100 when I turned 100 <laughs> pounds. And up to like from 70 pounds to 100 it was like, as soon as you hit a hundred, I'll give you a hundred dollars. But you also had a chronic illness and he was trying to <laughs> yeah, keep wait. weight on you. Yes, this is very true. But, but, but if also, Taylor was here, he would be like, Taylor was here, yeah, he would be like, my was, dad was feeding me like yeah. 7,000 calories and milkshakes a day because he wanted me to be, to be, be big for hockey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. And, but like, it's different, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to get bigger and like to be the biggest in your class, like, well, fuck, like mm-hmm. you're some kind of a goblin, right? Right. And so I remember just kind of watching the scale go up and I was like, I'm not changing what I'm eating, but I was growing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not normal to stay the same size from 11 to 13. Yeah. Fuck. So, like you'd be one of those weird, like baby pigs that they injected so that they never get big. And yeah, I was cute. dancing and I was a runner. So I did hurdles and short sprints. Yes. Yeah, so you're just getting jacked. I was like, I've always had very like chunky, like quads and thighs and I blame or it on fit. seventh grade. Yes. Yeah, I was like chunky <laughs> or like just no, fucking like, <laughs> like thick as in like, but like chunky muscle. Crush a watermelon. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you see distance runners and you're like, wow, they're so svelte. Right. Yeah, I guess so. I see. I'm sitting here and going, "Don't feed into this. Don't feed into this. You're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're no. Feed my eating no, disorder. Yeah, that's right. I'm, no, I'm not going to blame it on you. Yeah, that's right. Second podcast. <laughs> yeah, sure. They're svelte, but you look at a kickboxer and you're like, "Holy fuck!" But I didn't see that those muscles. So then, like, I was like, found myself. I was like, I was in seventh grade. I was like. I had bigger calves than all the other girls. I couldn't wear high boots because <laughs> they wouldn't zip over my calves. And I was like, fuck. Or you just weren't buying big enough boots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But I was like, God damn, like, I'm fat. Like, wow, and something wow. just like clicked and I was like, I'm fat. Like, I can't wear certain clothes anymore. Yeah. I can't do that. If anyone looks at me, I'll kill myself. <laughs> like, yeah. that kind of attitude from being like someone who was like, I want everyone to look at me. And, you know, sixth grade, I was leading the school musical. And in seventh grade, I'm like, if someone like looks at any part of my legs, I will slam my head against a wall. <laughs> you know, like. Now, when, wow. at what point, because this is all very fast, at what point yeah. does this become um, obvious to the people outside of your head? A lot later. 
Right. So my parents knew about like my issues with anxiety and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much it. Was that was that because you said something or because yeah. they just like observed it? I said something and then kind of after I said something, I'd said it to like my guidance counselor at school. Um, and then he had kind of contacted my parents because I was like, yeah, it's okay if you do that. And so then that kind of started the conversation on. So that's when I kind of started going to like the IWK outpatient services. So And how old were you when that happened? That was kind of between like 12 and 14. So it started and I said, I would like a therapist. And they said, well, no, we're going to give you, we're going to put you into group therapy. And I said, I don't think group therapy is going to help me. Because I, I don't want to talk to other people. Yeah, you're anxious like, around other people. And they said, no, well, you have to start with group, ther- group therapy, and then we'll see if you can go to other places. And I was like, all right. So I was doing the group therapy, and everything was just spiraling. So kind of eighth, ninth grade, that's when I was like, if I restrict my intake, I lose weight, right? That's, it's easy math, right? I can count my calories. I can exercise off everything that I eat, and then I'm below, and then just like stuff like that. And it was kind of, and I'd also kind of been struggling with like self-harm and stuff basically Mm -hmm. since sixth grade, um, all through this point. Now, when you, when you were requesting to see a therapist, Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're obviously taking the, the steps on your own to go, I'm requesting this help. Mm -hmm. Um, were you requesting help for, uh, one specific thing or were you going, I'm requesting help because. I know that there's several things happening yeah. right now. That was pretty much it. I was like, I, I'm not okay, but I don't know what it is. Sure. Right. Okay. I was like, I can't walk through the mall by myself or even with other people. You know, I can't get dressed most mornings. I can't. That was always a big thing. Like getting dressed in the morning. I would get up at 530 to do my makeup and get dressed every day. And I did that from like seventh grade to like 11th grade. Then 12th grade, I was just like, I don't fucking care. Yeah, <laughs> but right. like, yeah. basically, that kind of like four or five year span where I was like, and even then, I'd still be late for school. So I was like, I can't get dressed. Like, I can't put on clothes, everything. And just, that's kind of where it, and this is, and this is so scattered, it's all over the place. But like, with the body dysmorphia, it would be things like, you know, you look in your mirror and you look a certain way. And then you could look back two seconds later and you're like, holy fuck, I'm huge. And then you could look back, you know, 10 minutes later and you're like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm getting kind of bony, you know? And then, oh no, 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 I'm still fat. You know, like it would change every time you looked at yourself. You'd be like, my nose isn't that bad. And you're like, Jesus Christ, my nose is fucked. Right. Why am I so asymmetrical? And it was like everything. It's very Picasso-y where you're like, like, that's what it felt like. Right. You're like looking at yourself and you're like, I look like a caricature. Like I look like a kid's drawing of a person. Whoa. Like, I'm just like, I had no idea what I looked like at all. Like, and, and even now, like I'm, there's some days where I'm like, I don't know what I look like as a person. I can't guess my sizes for clothes. I don't know. I don't know what I look like. So in the end, when you would go, when you would leave the house, Mm -hmm. were you satisfied with how you looked or it was just like a, oh, I have to go to school now. It was pretty, it was just like, I have to leave. (laughs) Like, cause then I also didn't want to walk into class late and have everyone look at me. Right. So like, like everything was just so connected. So you start going to group therapy. Yeah. You start with the, the IWK outpatient services. Mm-hmm. It was called Chilled. <laughs> chilled? That's what it's actually called? Chilled. It used was to be called Chill Out, and then it was called Chilled. 
That, really? Yeah. That's the name for it? Because they think so it's cool. That's Chill cool. the fuck out, kids. <laughs> like, the cool and it club. Was, they should call it cool club. It was called worksheets. It was just fucking worksheets of like making lists of like, what's your fear? So, oh, I'm scared of airplanes. What's the worst that's going to happen? Crash and I die. What could probably happen? I'll crash and I'll die. So if you don't right, have rational right. thoughts, yeah. their idea is that they can talk you out of that. Like, yeah. oh, I guess you're right. Like, you know, that's an irrational thought. That's not why I'm fucking here. <laughs> like, right. yeah, so, right. And that's all it was, was doing worksheets. And like, it was just this room full of kids who like, we're all just like, wow. Why are we here? And we fucking hate ourselves. And yeah. at the end of the group, they're like, does anyone actually feel like they need additional help? And everyone was like, I do. I wasted six weeks of my life. <laughs> like, so then I got on with a, a private like psychologist. Was there anybody in that group therapy session that you like, <laughs> was there anybody you connected with or anything? <laughs> There was no, like nothing positive. Was there anybody in the group that was like, "This fucking worked"? <laughs> no, I'm killing it. Definitely See not. y'all, like, bitches, honestly, later. <laughs> I'm so chilled. Right I'm now. chilled out. Club. No. Oh. Answer it shortly. But well, that's sad. I like, and honestly, I repressed that. And then I got to high school, and I saw this girl. We were kind of in the same friend group. She goes, "Hey." We went to therapy together, and I was like, oh, Whoa. fuck. Whoa, yeah, And that's right. how she would, like, introduce, she's like, oh, Abigail, we went to therapy together. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> Did you, like, were you like, girl. I need to avoid you at all No, costs? we were really good friends, and, oh, like, it became a running joke, but just, like, the starting of, like, it was, like, across the hall, like, yeah. hey, we were in chill together, and I was like. Oh, I forgot. God, I, went, I forgot so, I did that. I'm so anti-chilled right now for you saying that. <laughs> I'm so anti-chilled. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this very short break. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Um, so, so you leave that and you get in with a, a private, uh, you said psychologist? Yeah. So just okay. talking. Okay. So, and that was useless. <laughs> oh, that didn't work for you? No, not at all. And so I was think, with her for about two years. Do you think that was because she wasn't like you and her didn't bl- Pretty mesh? much. And I'm sure like, she, and I had friends that actually went to her, um, and they found her fairly helpful, mm-hmm. but I did not. Okay. Um, she she was really into ACT, which is like acceptance, blah, 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 therapy. It's just like a lot into mindfulness and stuff. Right. The problem is you're doing mindfulness, you're in the dark, it's like focus on one part of your body. Problem is it's feeling like, you know how like you're in your body. Like right now, if I was like, oh, drop into your body. You're like, oh yeah, I can do that. Do that, but then like turn it up to like 11, right? Where you're just like, I'm so in my body right now. I want to rip it off. Right. right. Okay. So like trying to do that, like it would just like, my whole body would just hurt and it was very like just gross. Like I hated it right? so much. And I tried to tell her that and she was like, Oh, let it float down the stream of your thoughts like a leaf on a river. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, right, sure, sure. It just it wasn't connecting. <laughs> right? Yeah, she was like, like take that the river's bath. headed straight off a fucking waterfall. <laughs> yeah. Onto yeah. an airplane. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the airplane's going to crash. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so unhelpful. But I was with her for like two years. And then, so she was the one that initially had said to get me started on medication. 
And this was around like 10th grade, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and my parents said, not sure if we want to start your medication until we get a review, like with a, an actual psychiatrist. So like a, like a formal diagnosis kind of thing. Right. So because they, a psychologist. Yeah. They can't just, diagnose anything. Yeah. They just give you chit chat and yeah. you discuss, but <laughs> a, a really great chit chat. A, a psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah. a psychiatrist is the one that can actually prescribe and yeah. diagnose. And what so this was the, this ended up being the psychiatrist <laughs> I saw basically from then until my end of treatment at the AWK. Okay. So I stayed with her. Um, going to call her Dr. D <laughs> just for reference sake. So Dr. D um, diagnosed me with agoraphobia. So like fear of being in public situations. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Um, she said, I used to struggle with obsessive compulsive when I was a kid, but no longer. So I was like, so that doesn't even apply. Um, and also I, I don't really get it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And also panic disorder. So that's just kind of that like, Oh, flight or flight time to just freak the fuck out for no reason at mm-hmm. crystal palace in front of all my friends. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, so like, cool. So she was like, I'm going to put you on Prozac. And I ended up taking Prozac for two or three years. What's the deal with Prozac? Because like, <laughs> I've, Good question. I've heard a lot of, and Prozac's basically like the first one you're going to get put on. It's an SSRI. It's like the oldest one or not the oldest one, but an it's, old one, right? It's like, it was a big thing. They did that whole thing called like Prozac nation and everything. That movie about all the zombie people who took yeah. Prozac. Prozac was huge in 1998. Dude, I love, we're going to get shut off of uh, Apple podcast now, but I'm okay with it because I used to have the, uh, Prozac. This, I used to have this band. I love this, this drug. Can't concentrate on work. It's okay, Brian, I'm listening. <laughs> oh, well, I'm listening, yeah. too, to Prozac. Prozac. Yeah, that's, that's some Prozac for you. Saturday people. Holy fuck, dude. Prozac put out an album in 2015. Gross. I don't want to hear <laughs> it. Holy shit. Are you kidding me? I definitely do. Prozac. Oh, wait. Maybe that's a different Prozac. Anyway. Oh, my God. A single. A single. From 2017, <laughs> titled Love Me Tinder. Huh. This is amazing. Anyway, neither here nor there. Anyway, so my depression. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. right. Back to Rated. that. Okay, I got lost there <laughs> for a minute. That's be a bummer. <laughs> yeah. so, so you went on Prozac. I went on Prozac. And is that, did that experience... Um, you know, I, I know I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who are... are um, in the midst of going, okay, I'm I currently I live my life not on SSRIs or drugs to treat this, the you know, any sort of mental illness. Mm-hmm. And now I'm about to do this. And there's always that fear of like, I don't want to become a zombie. Prozac well, made me a zombie for a few months. Right. Okay. So Prozac's a very like slow drug. So they say like, it'll be about like four plus weeks till you actually start to feel any kind of positive change. Mm-hmm. But you get side effects the whole time. So like in that oh. whole four weeks where you're like, I hope I'll be happy soon. You're like, I am shitting my guts out and I'm nauseous all the time. <laughs> I think that was just for me. This <laughs> is also very nervous. Right. Sure. Um, and then once it kicked in, like it was like a switch had been flicked, but it wasn't good. So instead of crying all the time, I could not cry at all huh. ever. Like, and I would get in that mood where I'm like, I feel like I should be crying, but I can't. So it was just like very numb. So that like, and I don't want to perpetuate that stereotype of like antidepressants make you into an emotionless zombie because they don't. Right. I found Prozac did for me. Right. So yeah. that's an important distinction to make too, because mm-hmm. like 
I, yeah, they're I really, all, and I found it different for everybody. You know, and I found an antidepressant that doesn't do that for me. I it's, don't know. It's just like I don't know therapists. what it does. But. It's the same thing as therapists. It's like you, you might have to go yeah. through a few to find the the one that's right for you. The, yeah. the thing that sucks, though, and and you've already talked about it, but like that four weeks leading up to yeah. like seeing if it's going to work, and yeah. then yeah. and then you can't just you can't just go off of it and start something no. different when you realize that it doesn't either. <laughs> I okay, I kind of figured <laughs> out basically what happens if you like miss your dose of Prozac. Nothing. Not advising anyone to like skip their Prozac, but it stays in your bloodstream for quite a while. So like near the end of me using it, like I would just not take it right for a little bit. So I was right. like, it doesn't do anything. And I'd been trying to get off it for a while. So for I was you, like, for, for you. me. Again, yeah. keep specifying yeah. that. I found it didn't do anything for me. Um, where I was with like currently I'm on Zoloft, and if I miss a dose of Zoloft, I am you know. fucked. And I'm yeah. like on the phone with my mom, I'm like I don't know why I'm so sad. She's like, take your pills. I'm like. No. <laughs> yeah. That's why I can't stop crying. But um so yeah, I'd been on Prozac for a bit and I'd kinda gone quite a while without like a major meltdown. So I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> and then um it was like that like spring of like tenth grade, I got a stomach bug and I like woke up and puked and I lost it. So there's about like two weeks where I like could barely go to school i would do like half a class and then i had a dark room in the guidance office where i would go and cry for an hour and then go to another class like i just i stopped functioning all because you threw up yeah whoa man i love throwing up i knew I, you were I gonna say you do. i love and it I, I wish I could. It's I why I, I never wrap my head tried to get into someone, bulimia and I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, Somebody clicked on this episode oh, and it fuck. talked about eating disorders in the title or in the description and they just heard you out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. I love that. They'd be no, like, what is good? No, no, Wait, no. who's I this know, guy? Jesus is so bad. But what I mean is like, I don't mean I love throwing up and I do it, uh, you know, I do it all the time. Like, it just makes me feel better about my body. I don't think yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is why <laughs> oh, I think no. I keep myself so trim. No, I can eat whatever no, I want. No. no, I love throwing up in that. In the right context. Yes, when I throw up, um, it, uh, when I'm sick, mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, you're getting the, you're getting the gunk out. Like you're, you're going to feel so much better. Now, after this is, I know, this is, I, I know. <laughs> someone's going to fucking cut this up and see, take the audio and isolate it. God damn it. See, I know what you mean. I totally know what you mean, but it just doesn't sound I know, good. In this I know. I know. Uh, then don't let me talk about the time I did five MEO DMT and threw up all my demons because that's another, that's a whole other fucking. Do you remember when you were running down the street? You don't. <laughs> I do remember. I do remember this. You were running down the street. It was natal day. Yeah. It was natal day. Natal day sprinting. It's not the holiday to get fucked up on. That's the weirdest so one. So fucked up on natal day. This uh, it, And no one gets more fucked up on natal day than me. And I was running <laughs> down the street. And I was like, look at this. And just full sprint. You did say that. You did say, look at me. (laughs) You were projectile vomiting down the middle of the road. While running. It was fucking wild. Oh, man. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, where the fuck were we? Uh, Oh, so you got sick. Freaked you out. Great time. And it took, honestly, it was like a couple months till I like got my shit together again. Holy shit. Like it just like, like snapped. I went from like not being able to cry ever. And then that kind of like. I was like, I can't stop. And this is while you're on the Prozac. Yeah. Okay. So, so 
obviously Prozac isn't working, but like how, how long do you have to be on Prozac until you're like, whoa, this, this totally isn't for me. And then what's that process Depends like? Depends on getting your psychiatrist. Off? So for you, what was it? Um, so this is where things start to get a little eating disordery. Um, so and this is only three years ago, right? Yes. Ish. So I had up until this point, I had been restricting very consistently, basically mm-hmm. from seventh to 10th grade, seven to 12, really. Um, very con- consistent restricting. It kind of got worse between 11th and 12th grade kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so really restricting calories. What, is, what did that look like in restricting calories? Was it like just what you were eating or? Yeah. So, and like, it, it makes me nervous talking about this kind of stuff because I don't want it to seem like an instruction manual. Right. Yeah, right. Okay. Of being okay. like, yeah. hey, I did this. I got super sick because <laughs> some people are going to hear that and be like, oh, fuck yeah. But yeah, like, because that's, that is an, an actual legit thing, especially right. in like the, the anorexia community or the oh, you yeah. know, eating community. Oh, yeah, because I was so into that shit. Yeah, there's websites that are literally meant like they are I've just seen, enabling I used websites. to watch those documentaries yeah. of like the people in the residential facilities and I was like, these are so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are, like, these women are gorgeous. They figured it out. They got like yeah. their, their nasal gastric tube in. <clears> they're like... I've been losing hair like so much. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> like she's pretty. Sign me up. Like, yeah. That's yeah. what I want to be like. It's really bizarre. It's it, very bizarre. Yeah. So, um, yeah, around 10th, 11th grade, I'm forgetting the dates. <laughs> um, my therapist, it's the same one. The psychiatrist. Dr. D. Psych- no, no, the psychologist. Other one. Oh, okay. Okay. Didn't give her a name. My bad. Right. Um, she had said, how are you eating? And I had like hit it all the way up until this point. And I was like, I just like paused. And I was like, mm, I don't know. Like I just blanked. I said, I don't really know. And so she weighed me and I was, again, I'm not going to use weights and stuff. Yeah. Generally just because I don't think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Plus like, plus weight doesn't, ne- isn't necessarily oh, no. it, a. It means jack shit. Right. Exactly. And again, at this point. You I can was, have an eating I was disorder still an and be any weight. You know, and I am still an athlete. So that's also a whole Mm -hmm. other thing where BMI doesn't mean shit and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But like, and I, but I was quite underweight and she was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to refer you to our eating clinic. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I remember getting in the car with my dad. He was like, how was that? And I was like, it's fine. I got to go to eating disorder clinic. And he was like, oh, what? And I was like, it's not a big deal, dad. Like, just stop. It's whatever. And he was (laughs) just like, oh my fucking fuck. And one thing after another. He's like, Okay. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go with Sobeys. We gotta get milk, you know, like just kind of go about it, right? Yeah. Um. So I started in intensive outpatient. Sorry, at, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. while you're while you're mentioning that interaction with your dad, what was your what was your interaction with your parents like? I have such a good relationship with my parents, um, but I was always a lot more open with my mom, and and I think it's just because my dad worries quite a bit, and so does my mom, but my dad doesn't hide it very well. And if you mm. listen to this, I'm sorry, dad, you don't. <laughs> like, mm. He kind of puts it out and I read way too much into people. So I always be like, dad's upset with me. He's mad at me. He's like, I'm not mad. I'm worried. I was like, you're yelling at me. And I was very like, right. I just always think he was pissed off at me. And he wasn't. He's, he never is. He's like I, everyone else's dad. Yeah, he's, he's a dad. It sounds just like my dad. It's just a dad just thing. Just a dad thing. Right? So Moms worry, but they worry with this like, 
I'm so fucking grounded. Like, I am worried, but I am so grounded. You came out of my vagina. Yeah, I can right. do this. You know, it's like a... I was caught out of her belly. Wait, yeah, but the same yeah, thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, like very, like... C-section baby. You scene. came out of my butt. It was a very weird pregnancy. <laughs> but, like, basically, like, when stuff was going on, I would tell her, and then I... Th- I was had in my mind I was like, Mom will dilute it and she'll relay it to dad and then I never have to deal with shit. That doesn't work. Cause then we'd be at the grocery store and my dad's like, So what's going on, buddy? And I'm like, fuck. I don't want to talk about this ever. Like, God, you're so late. I don't want to talk about my eating disorder. Um, so I started an intensive outpatient at the IWK, because that's where their main eating clinic is. Now um, is this the Garen Center? It's technically, no. The Garen technically is the inpatient facility. Okay. So the outpatient was just called like, just mental health outpatient. It was called like chilled (laughs) 2.0. Chilled. Just fucking eat. (laughs) Chill and eat. (laughs) So I would go. Chilling and eat. (laughs) I would go and I would do my weekly weigh-ins and um, posterior um, vitals. So like you would. Like lay down and then she'd take your heart rate and you'd stand up and you'd have five minutes to readjust and then she'd take it again. And so what they're looking for is that jump that doesn't correct itself. So weakening oh. of the heart muscles. Oh, wow. Um, and the problem was even after the five minutes of resting, I was still having about 40 beats of a jump even after having a rest. So anything above 30 generally or above 20 really, but like that's technically like hospital mode. Oh, wow. Okay. So your body is... Oh, yeah. Going Just into from like years of consistent mode. Like, yeah. restriction. Right. Right. So that was an issue. But I was like, whatever. I'm not even that skinny. So what I got diagnosed with was this is where we're getting into OSFED. So other specified feeding or eating disorders. So in the DSM-4, the Diagnostic, Dis- Diagnostic Statistic Manual. The, the one, one before five. Yeah, the yeah. one before five. Five is the New Testament. Yeah. That's the new it was one. called <laughs> eating disorder not otherwise specified. The new one other specified feeding or eating disorder. Okay. So under that, you have five different eating disorders. So you have atypical anorexia. So technically you meet all the mental criteria, but you have to be a certain percentage of your ideal body weight to qualify (laughs) for clinical anorexia. So that would mean atypical. Then you would have atypical bulimia, which is bulimia, but a lower frequency or not lasting longer than three months at this point. Like if you're like a new bulimic, Mm. Um, night eating syndrome. So waking up in the middle of the night to binge and, or only eating large quantities of food at night. Is that because like you restrict it's a during the day and then, oh, okay. it's not a sleepwalking thing. <laughs> I don't. Where you're like Maybe, that, making a sandwich. That might be another thing though. Really? <laughs> Probably. I had Probably a, is. I had a, a very, like a, no, no joke, a severe sleepwalking issue as a kid. Oh no. And it's uh, terrifying. You're like coughing. You're like, mom. Yeah, no, it, it actually was really fucking terrifying for my parents. I, they caught me. I walked outside in a snowstorm. They, they had to lock, they had to like lock me in my room at night. Um, but there was, there was one, there was one night. I was like that too, actually. There was one night where I, my, God. I, my dad was just watching me. He was like, I don't think I'm supposed to wake him. And he just watched me. I go in the kitchen and I grab some cereal and I grab a, you're like just feeling car- snacky. Car- Chill the fuck out, milk. Dad. He's like, yeah, snacky, but his eyes are closed. <laughs> and I take the milk and the cereal and a spoon mm-hmm. into the computer, into the office. 
And I sit down at the family computer and I just start pouring cornflakes all over the keyboard. <laughs> and my dad's like, mm, I'm waking him. This is, he's going to fuck my computer. Woke me up. But well, I don't think that was night eating syndrome. The, <laughs> almost the same thing happened to me, except uh, when I was when I was like six, I I slept walked downstairs into our slept laundry walk? room. Yeah, and uh, slept walked right. Yeah, no, totally, dude. Hundred percent slept walked. Slept walked. Yeah. Continue. I'm sorry. I slept walked down to my. Uh, I was uh, sleeping walking. I slept walked, and uh, I said that so many times now. But I walked down to our laundry room and I peed in the laundry basket. Yeah. So you were just and an asshole. <laughs> I was asleep, mom. I'm sorry. No, but the, you were just drunk, Brian. Just all over Dennis's I was six. clothes. The problem was is that, is that when I, uh, a couple years later, there was this yellow puddle on the floor in, in the A couple in the of morning. years later? A couple of years later. There was this yellow puddle on the oh floor. My God, your poor and my mother. parents were like, what the fuck, Brian? <laughs> and it turned out that there was a leak in our refrigerator and they only found it out like six days later. And they blamed me all six days. <laughs> the they the floor. They just, like, kept doing we're it. six days in my like, life. Guys, come on. I'm eight now. I don't pee on the floor. <laughs> all right. So we got atypical anorexia, atypical yeah. bulimia, night eating syndrome. Uh, binge eating disorder. Binge so eating. just it's bulimia, but no purge. Mm-hmm. So binge, no purge. And then purging syndrome, which okay. is purging with no binging. So purging Whoa. to maintain weight, but without binging. God, that sounds like a lot of bile. That's and that's what it comes to. So that's yeah. why so many there's so many cases like ruptured esophagus. Yeah, totally. Yeah, or esophagi, um, wow. teeth issues, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I met criteria for atypical anorexia, and that broke my heart because I was like, "Fuck, I'm like." I, I'm I'm doing all this, and I was only, I wasn't even good enough to be an actual anorexic. I'm, I'm a fat shit. anorexic. Whoa! That's what no. I thought. I was like, I am a fat anorexic. I couldn't even make the cut. Like I was like, I was so mad at myself. Wow! I was like, like I'm getting forced into treatment, and I couldn't even be like the other like sick girls that are here. I say girls because I didn't see a single guy when I was there, but there's I know that they a, there's exist. There's not a lot of them. It's, I mean, it, they it, exist, it, they absolutely. Exist, but in the not treatment facility, yeah. it was all these like skinny little girls. <laughs> like, Fuck. And so all through this, again, competitive dancer. So there was points where I was like, I'm going to pass out at dance, so I need to eat enough to keep going because I still wanted to be excelling in performance and in competition. Yeah. But then there's still that like, but I want to be a waif, you know, like I want to just be like gone. I want to waste away kind of thing. There's, you mentioned competitive dance earlier and mm-hmm. I, I went to Ryerson theater school, a conservatory style program, mm-hmm. which was not only acting, but there was also a dance. Um, uh, the actors and the dancers all existed in the same school. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very much like how you would picture your, your, you know, stereotypical, like, like, like in fame, it's, it's, it, we fought, it was fame. It's it like was Juilliard. It honestly was that. Yeah. Right. And I, I was very good friends with a lot of the girls that were in the dancing program there and, and the guys too. But the thing that I would hear so much from, from my friends that were in that program was, and especially in the later years was how, um, toxic the dance world yeah. is for people in terms of their mental health and especially in terms of the way that they see themselves and, and their body yeah, and like body dysmorphia and, and weight. Because your body is what you need to control. So if your body's mm-hmm. not good enough, you're like, well, what's wrong with it? Yeah. And for a lot of girls, you're like, that's nah, cause I'm fat. 
Right. Was dance, like that a lot, do you think a dance played a role in? No. Not at all. No, and I've like reflected on it a lot. The thing is, the biggest difference from like ballet, which I'm guessing ballet, it, contemporary, that kind of it stuff. It was all ballet and modern dance. Yeah. yeah. And Irish yeah. dancing. Is, right. Uh, to be an Irish dancer, you got to be jacked. Yeah, right. World champions have quads that are like insane. Yeah. Right? You've got like a six pack app. They are so strong. So you want to be really muscular. So there was this kind of aspect where I'm like, okay, well, I'll be muscular, but I cannot have an ounce of fat on me. And then other times where it's just like, I want to be a walking skeleton. Right. So it was kind of like finding that balance of like, I need to excel, but I can't fucking eat. Right. So it's just like wearing away, you know? Um, but that's all fine and good. I did two years of intensive outpatient doing my weekly weigh-ins, them being like, we're going to hospitalize you. And I was like, <coughs> they'd be like, if your jump is still that bad, like your posterior jump um, next week, you're being admitted. And I'd be like, mm-hmm, fuck you guys. So I'd have a week where I'm just like, I want pasta. I want almonds. Like going to have everything that I can't normally eat. Can't because I would be like, I can't eat that. Mm. And I'll get my shit together for next week and then I can restrict again. And like, I was honestly, like I was a difficult patient, you know, patient. Would, I would you, do, would you ride that? Like would, was, did that come and go? Like yeah. as soon as you get to that like point, like looking at my do... weight charts, they're all over the place. Wow. And I would also do, they caught on to this after like, after like a year and a half, I would do like, um, tanking is the word for it. So like before your weigh in, you would drink like as much water as you could like a liter plus kind of thing, like in the like five minutes where you'd go in for weigh-in just so that you'd be heavier, basically. Whoa, tanking. Holy yeah, fuck. so you, just as much as you could, right? Yeah. And after a while, she caught on to her. She was like, how about you go pee? And I was like, I don't need to. <laughs> like, and they're oh, like, whoa. yeah, you do. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, definitely had to. And I was like, nope. <laughs> like, like oh, why, are you, why are you moving and squirming like that? I'm like, Stop crossing your legs. You. Uncross <laughs> your legs. Yeah, right? So, But I can't. So they kind of caught on to that. So your know, weight charts were all over the place. Heart charts were not good. Mm. Um, but they just kind of kept threatening it. They said, we're going to hospitalize you. And I was like, ha-ha. And then kind of at like the year and a half mark into outpatient, uh, they changed my diagnosis to actual anorexia because I had lost so much more weight while still an outpatient. So I'd beat that extra few percentiles that I needed mm. basically. And I was so happy. I was going to say, were, was it like, was that? I was a, so a, fucking happy. Man, I was like overly or like pretty much like it's, it's kind of hard to contain. You're like, Oh, like she's like that changes your diagnosis. And they're like, damn, guess I'm sick. Like that's whoa. so like fucking trippy. That's so trippy. Oh, yeah. Super trippy. It was very trippy. <laughs> it was trippy in the moment. Cause part of you is like, Shit. But then I'm just like, nice. It's very like, like I'm getting there. It's very, you know? yeah. And at the it's time like it was sinister. just, it was yeah. just pure like, fuck, like I'm getting there. Wow. Like I, I did it. You know, I got past that, um, that percentile and now I'm an actual anorexic, you know? Now were you, did you, did you spend time at the Garen Center? I did. Was this so, after that? Yes. Okay. So April of last year. Um, I was admitted April 2nd. So it would have been with that, like last week of March there. They said, okay, so come in for a medication review. We're going to have your doctor, nutritionist, the head of the eating disorder team and your, um, psychiatrist, Dr. D. And we'll just do a review. Cause I had been begging for a medication review for 
months and months and months. And just a general psychiatric review. Because I said, you didn't I don't, want the stuff that you were on? or I didn't like Prozac. Right. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything. And also, I was like, I don't know how well my previous diagnosis fits me. Right? I was just like, I just... But she wouldn't change anything because I was with the team. So um, with a lot of my medication, be like, well, I feel like this. And she's like, oh, it's because you're malnourished. And I was like, so she wouldn't change my medication. Um, I also had a referral to go see a motor tick specialist um, because I have a facial tick, which I'm like, I'm thinking about it. So now I'm doing it. <laughs> like, um, and then that all got put off because he's like, you got to wait till you're maintained. So that everything got put on hold. So I was supposed to be possibly getting a new site psychiatrist i was supposed to be getting to see a motor tech specialist and everything just got stopped because i was malnourished even for the times that i was there and i was at my ideal weight it was just like oh you're malnourished is that because they can't get like an they can't accurately i guess diagnose or treat you when you're malnourished anyway yeah Okay. Essentially. Um, so yeah i went in and i was like oh fuck yeah this is so good it's so wild to think that because like you're not actively trying to like get help for what you're living with, right? Like you're you're resisting the system I that's am, there but to I'm like not. It was like oh. I want to get better, but I also don't it's hunger's addictive. Uh-huh. Like straight up. Like it's, even it's now sometimes like a- if I like if I miss a meal cuz I'm at practice or something and I get that like hungry feeling, I'm like I miss that. <laughs> Mm. Like it's just like high. It's like a game. It is a game. It's like yeah. how far can I push it before I'm gonna have to have a sip of juice or before I. Yeah, and it's so weird though because like the like the ra- me being rational when I'm when I'm hungry I'm like oh fuck I'm like I think I actively think of like my brain not working to its optimal capacity and like <laughs> I know that I was just dumb honestly like, like even now like I can't concentrate on a mm. lot of things. If I go if I go to the gym and and I haven't eaten within like 3 hours leading up to it I'm like I have to eat something here like I have to yeah. I have to buy like a protein bar or something like that because I can't go and work out effectively if I have fueled my body. But I think a lot body. of it I was kind of riding this like I had romanticized a lot in my head. And like it's an illness. But in my head, I was like, oh, but, you know, as long as I'm not eating, I'm getting smaller, right? And I'm strong and I'm, you know, look at all my willpower. It was ugly. It was very ugly. I looked fucked up for starters, you know, like I had a very like gaunt Gaunt face. face, Um, I was losing a lot of hair. How can you say that? How can you say that now? And, and I'm sure that there's some type of thing that happens during a treatment but it's so interesting it's so interesting to, to hear you say that now looking back at yourself but in the moment you couldn't see that right yeah and it wasn't there's still obviously some like fucked up thoughts where i'm like i see some people that look really gaunt and i'm like damn but i didn't look good gaunt i don't have cheekbones <laughs> so it's just very like droopy well i mean you know uh when you just moments ago said April of last year. Uh, I, and I knew this, I knew it was April of last year. I knew how recent this was that you were in there for this. And, but I've forgotten that. And when you said April of last year, I was like, Jesus Christ, you're, yeah, you're (laughs) barely on the other side of this. You know, yeah. like you are it, it, to sit here and talk to you about this in a way where I'm going, yeah, like it's crazy to, to think like you were like this one day, but like that one day was like yesterday, was a year ago. you know, <laughs> like, like that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So, and when we met, 
you know, that was. It was January. Yeah. So even closer to that, that time. Yeah. Like where, where are you now? Like how are, like, I I know we're going to take a bit of a leap here, Yeah. but from April to like, how long was that process for you to get to a point where they said, okay, you, you are fit in our eyes to go and like be Abigail. There never was that point. There was never that point. So yeah. That never came. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went in for this medication review, and they said, uh, you're being institutionalized. You're being admitted next week. You have a week, and you're going to the hospital. Here's like the papers you need. Here's what you need to pack. And I went out, and my mom was in the waiting room, and I was like, they're fucking hospitalizing me. I was so mad. And she came in, and she was so mad, because she was like, you said it was this. Why would you trick us into coming here? Just in the sense that, like, why wouldn't you just tell us as opposed to having me go into a room being like, okay, like I'm, I'm going to get some help, right? Like I'm going to figure this out. Mm. And there's being like, Oh, surprise. You're going to the hospital. So that was, it was the Monday or the Tuesday after Easter weekend when I had gone in. Um, and I remember I went and I saw my sister that day that they had told me, um, I was going to sit down on one of her lectures and then we were going to go like get a snack and like, <laughs> ironic and like walk around and stuff. Um, and she was like, what happened? Because like, that was like the first time I saw my mom cry. It was when Megan was like, oh, how was your appointment? Oh. And my mom, like, you know, like her eyes were on. She was like, we're going to deal with it. And I just remember like walking with my sister. And she was like, I'm really worried. And I was like, I'm going to the hospital. And she was just like, she just started crying. She's like, I'm so worried. Like, you know, I don't want you to die. And she's in kinesiology. So they study this stuff. Right. She, knows, yeah. she knows. She knows the mortality rate. She with knows your body. Yeah. yeah, she knows that it's like shutting down. And I was, I looked bad. Like my hair was really thin. Uh, again, face looked really fucked up. Um, something that happens when you stop eating is that you get really hairy. Yeah, it's like one oh, of the really? one of the yeah. least glamorous parts about it. It's called yeah, lanugo. F- yeah, you get fuzzy. A lot of babies have it because they're yeah. little, right? Uh, Stay warm. Uh, Hudson came out with it. He looked like this little gorilla baby. Yeah, uh, yeah, and crazy. Dark hair. Yeah, it was yeah. dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. just for me. It was like all white, but I was just like, I'm hairy everywhere, and mm. like all the less glamorous parts of it, like hiding food and you know chewing and spitting and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm not going to be able to do any of this, right? Like, what the fuck am I going to do? Because I was still very, like, into it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I was like, <laughs> I'm into anorexia. <laughs> like, yeah. I there's no, like, good way to put it. I was very in love with my eating disorder. You you were you were caught up in the, like, the. It, it, I don't know if this is a way the, to put it, but, like, the only way I can I can sort of comprehend it and put it together is, like, there's a subculture to it. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a subculture an oh, yeah, underground the pro-anorexia. Yes, and like and it's a whole fucking world. Pro the whole, the pro ana world. It, it's and it's so it's just like from, it's really from my up. standpoint, someone who's n- never dealt with it. You look yeah. at it and you go, "Holy fuck!" It it is you, it's sinister. It is sinister. It's like it is very sinister. It's the illness, literally like speaking through bodies. Yeah, you know? and it's like possession. It's yeah. It is. It's very much like that. It is. And it's just. And you were in it. Like you oh, were, I was so in it. Yeah. But I loved it. Yeah. Like every, exactly. like even looking back on it, like sometimes there's days when I'm just like, I was so in love with my illness. And sometimes I really miss it, you know, because mm-hmm. it was mine. Mm-hmm. It was my thing. I that was something I had completely. So then. How do you, how do you look back on it? And, and cause like the way that you talk about it now, 
you can tell that you you genuinely loved it in that yeah. sense yeah. and and parts of it and how do you how do you look back on that now and acknowledge that you can you can appreciate that side of it but also still look at it in a rational way that you're like I never want to do that again like how do you justify that or or it depends on the day so there's and can you I guess is the question no <laughs> So even if I'm, because I'm, I'm speaking it into existence, right? I'm like, that was Ooh. so long ago. I'm a new person. Right. Now. I used to be in love with my illness. It was the love of my life. I absolutely loved my anorexia. But then, you know, there's also that side of like, ah, you know, I, it took me out of dance. I wasn't allowed to dance for like a couple months just because my heart was so not good for a bit. Um, you know, and that's what I loved. And I couldn't even dance. And I was like. Right, I got, and I'm, but at the time I was like, I got to trick them into thinking I'm okay and have to let me go back to dance. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'll do what they say until I can go back, and they'll start restricting again, as if they wouldn't just take me off activity again. Like, yeah, <laughs> you just it's just this loop, right? You're like, I'm gonna be at the hospital forever, but that's okay. I'll deal with it. Right. So, so what happened when you got admitted then? So I got admitted. Um, so when you're admitted with an eating disorder, uh, there's a couple things that are different from the other patients. So you have. And you have your own room, um, and each room has a bathroom, and your bathroom's locked if you're in there for an eating disorder because you might purge. Again, I didn't purge, but they're worried about me exercising. Um, so my bathroom was locked. Uh, I found a way around it because <laughs> um, they would basically, if you had to like shit or piss or anything, they'd come in afterwards to check, and I hated that. So I was like, my mom came to visit me once, and I was like, Mom, I haven't taken a shit in like four days because <laughs> I don't want to shit in front of the nurses. So... She was allowed to monitor me while I showered so that a nurse didn't have to do it to make sure you're not like doing squats in the shower, right? And then I would just close the door over and pretend like it was locked. <laughs> and then I was like, I can shit in the middle of the night and no one will even know. It's mm, fantastic, hello. right? So like, again, I know I wasn't a fantastic patient. So mm-hmm. I don't want to be like, I was a, a star example, but I did want help. So they actually offered absolutely no therapy at the Garen Center, which is a mental health center for people in crisis. Mm-hmm. No therapy. It was just somewhere to be. So they did absolutely, they occasionally, if you asked, they'd unlock the art room where you could go and fuck around with some pencils. That's not therapy. Mm-hmm. There's no one to talk to. My doc, I didn't even know who my doctor was while I was there. Whoa. I did not know at all. I didn't talk to anybody the whole time I was there. How long were you there for? I was only there for a week. This is where this is where Becca works. This is where my girlfriend yeah. is. A, she's an RN on on yeah. at the Garen Center. So for meals, I uh, I've been vegetarian <clears throat> for quite a long time. Now, being vegetarian is considered a form of restriction, which I get. Mm-hmm. I understand it. I had already experimented with eating meat again earlier, and it had kind of been established between me and my nurse, like, ah, uh, like it just. It just makes me very morally uncomfortable. The thing is, if you're not eating meat, you have to have nutritional supplements. So onshore, like the like milkshake shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I, I was just, I remember crying because I was like, every single meal I would have to drink like two bottles of this stuff. Because I was like, if you just give me something without meat in it, I'll fucking eat it. I cannot drink any more of this. Like, like by the last few days, I was literally, like, I couldn't drink it at all. Yeah. So you had a half hour and you had to sit across from one of the nurses, which by the way, like, they don't get training. Their training is they watch basically kind of like a video and they're like, oh, don't talk about food, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, 
make sure that they're using everything on their plate. So if you have, you get a meal and you have like a thing of butter on the side, you have to use it and you have to use just everything you have, Mm -hmm. right? Whether or not you like it. So (laughs) here's a funny story is I've never drank milk my entire life just because I don't like it. Even when I was a little kid, I did not like milk. I served milk with most meals. Um, milk, juice, water, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. You had to drink water after every meal. But they gave milk um, usually at least twice a day. I was like, I just don't drink milk. But then I was having to substitute it with Onshore. And I was like, I fucking hate Onshore. And then they were like, well, you can have milk or you can have soy milk. So I was like, try soy milk. And I remember I drank the soy milk. And I did not like it. And my sister was visiting. And she was already quite upset after watching the meal process. Like, because I just had to sit there for yeah. a half hour, like yeah. not eating. So I was like... I just want fucking food. Like, and I try to say that. Because like, hospital food sucks. It sucks anyway. It does, yeah. But onshore sucks more. It's like, can, so gross. Can, can, can you have meals brought into you? No. You have to go eat them in a room. You Which, by to, the way, right. they had one table in the kitchen. Everyone else ate in old observation rooms yeah. that weren't in use. Um, common area tables. Mm-hmm. Just like random rooms that they were like, oh, we're going to pull the curtains so you can eat your lunch. Mm-hmm. I don't want to eat in the dark. <laughs> like, so then I drink the fucking soy milk and we go back after every meal and after every snack, you have to sit still for a half hour. Sit right. down or lay down. Can't cross your legs, which bugs the fuck out of me because I always cross, just even cross your ankles. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Hands have to be on the table. Like you just have to basically be like, oh, I'm not purging. See, um, but here's the, here's why the can, thing. Why can't you cross I mean, your legs? This, this all sounds insane. It sounds like a prison, but. Oh, and I it's absolutely. all there because you're so you've gotten to a point you've gotten so far. But again, where you're growing hair all over your body, right? You are you I, are you're so sick that it's like it's literally them going. We. But I definitely was not the sickest one there. Sure, sure, but and okay. I, but I wasn't here's, that. But here's my hold on. Okay, hold on. Right. I was not that underweight. Sure. At this point, um. And like even the people doing my weigh-ins were like, "You're not that underweight. You can probably go home soon." But wouldn't you argue that you were you got to a point where sure you might you you might not look the sickest right. as and we all know sometimes I don't look that sick, right? right? But I am sick. You know, we we can live with illnesses that it doesn't visually look that way. Right. But you are you've gotten to a point where like your heart is doing certain things like your, your, your body is to a point where they go, right. you are fucked. Like you need, we need to, like this. We're going into like, right. So doing the medical critical inter- control, intervention right? to make sure that yeah. you are stable, exactly. but with no psychological support. See, that's the, that's the fucking problem. That's the thing right? I don't get because it's not it's like, even like, that I also- couldn't talk to anyone about it. Cause they go, Oh, no food talk, please. Right. Because and like, hard, sh- shouldn't you have that well, so while you're you doing the, the medical intervention? Like it mm-hmm. feels like those two things because it is a, it's a mental illness. It is it a is. mental illness. So it's like, yes, you're like, we got to deal with the physical elements of it. Yeah. But like to deal with that, you need the, the mental help as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, where it, that's where it's, it's a little f- fucking weird for me. It's like, yeah, I totally agree with that. The, the the thing that I like when I was hearing you say all this stuff, I'm thinking like, yeah, fuck, that's like inhumane. Like that's not that's not right. Like you, they, people like that shouldn't be treated like that. And they're in crisis; they need help. But but then the other thing is, is like also we just talked for like 40 minutes about how manipulative and like 
sneaky. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's like, so then, like, what is? What, like, what else? What are you gonna like, do? What else you like, do? You just I talked mean, about you how you like, like you literally found the loophole to get the bathroom door. Like, it's right. like <laughs> they, it, right. they, they, they have to go. Look, we can't trust you. Yeah, right. because yeah. Be, and and it's not you. I know it's the disease, and that's the thing, right? But then, like, you're so deep into it, you're like, I can't separate it, but. The issue was that there was no psychological support. Yeah. So then my parents and like would come to visit me, and I would just be like, "I don't know what's going on. I don't know who my doctor is. I don't know when I'm getting out. I don't know yeah. anything that's going on." Right. I haven't talked to any of my normal doctors or nurses in the last week. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what's happening. Um, and basically on the last day, um, <coughs> they said, "Oh, we're just doing like a a meeting, right?" And you did meetings every once in a while, from, mm-hmm. like from what I heard from the other girls that were there. You were just like with your social workers and stuff. I go in and there was my nurse and the head of the eating disorder team. Um, and I believe the person that was apparently my doctor, <laughs> who I didn't right. know, and about 10 interns. And it was like a big round table. And they were like, ah, quite honestly, like you've been resisting treatment, ate everything I was given, drank every meal supplement, but okay, I'm resisting. Um, can, I, can you tell I'm bitter? <laughs> but yeah, they totally. said, you've been resisting treatment. There's nothing more you, we can do for you. At the rate you're going, you're going to be dead in the next five years. And I'm bawling my eyes out and I'm saying, like, I need help. I just want someone to help me. Like, I, please, like, can someone help? And they said, go pack your things. You're done. So that's what I did. Whoa. Screaming the whole time pretty much because I was like, this is fucked up. Well, so, how did you go f- how did you go from there to where to here? So leaving the Garen, um, they were like, "Ah, oh, well, you know, you're almost 18, so we're going to refer you to Abby Lane, so the adult psychiatry. And they have a system or a program there called Stages. So you would go to like this like orientation thing for a few weeks. Basically, you would have to be there most days um, to eat meals. And then like whatever it was, oh, I forget what it's called, like unpack after the meals. How did that meal make you feel and learn about nutrition and how to cook and how to like pick foods that are appropriate for you. God, I feel like I could use that. But also you had to be there <laughs> like for most meals during the day, during the week. Yeah, and I was right. like, Hey, I have a job. And I remember this one broke my heart. There was a woman in my orientation group and she was in her sixties and she was bawling her eyes out on the last session. She was like, I can't fucking do it. I have a job. Like I have kids. I can't just not do those things. Like there was, they, they never gave me any other possible treatment option. Mm. And it, cause I asked, I said, well, I lost my psychiatrist and my nurse and I no longer have a psychologist. Um, cause they were all at the IWK. They don't transfer over. So I was like, what do I do if I don't do stages? So I just stopped. You just stopped it. Mm-hmm. So where are you at now? I currently don't have a treatment team. I have a family doctor. I see twice a year which takes six weeks to get into by the way but that's another story <laughs> so how's your health i don't know because again because now i'm sitting here i'm going because you look you don't look underweight i'm not but how's your heart i don't know how my heart is physically what's your what, all right what's your what, what's your eating habit like fine as yeah. far as i know it's getting better i know that i'm exercising more than I ever have, um, doing just a lot of like intensive dance training and stuff. Um, and is that good or bad? It's good. It is. Yes. Yeah. Are you, but, are you, wait, are yeah, you can you hear the concern yes. in my voice now? Yeah. Cause now I'm sitting here going, Oh well, my, my God. Par- okay. My parents have thrown out my scale. However, 
That's good. I, I did buy another scale. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> you fuck. For mini so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the mall. Um, so I keep track of it just so that I know. Because I think I should know. Right? Do you? Do you think you should know? No. <laughs> no. I don't think you should know. I don't think I should know, but then I also I feel like I need to know. <laughs> this is, you know what, Abigail, I got to say, this is, it, this is so trippy because I, I, I feel like I'm, t- I, there's part of me that's talking to you then, but there's this also, also this part of me that's talking to the demon, the evil anorexic crone inside of <laughs> yeah. me. That's like, Oh, buy a scale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you like, need it. Yeah. But not even, not <laughs> yeah. even like, but, but actually though, yeah, yeah. like the part inside of you that's like, that's, it's just the fact is like, this is where I've gotten by myself since last right. April. I've gained a lot of weight again. Yeah. I'm not going to use numbers. Yeah, I yeah, have yeah. been excelling in my dancing. Um, I've been generally a functioning human being, but that's, as, par- that's as is, far as I can go by yeah. myself. Is there a I, part of you that, that wants to seek help elsewhere? Like, I am seeking help elsewhere. Yeah. So I'm going to my family doctor and the issue is, is I'm asking for referrals to psychiatrists. The problem is any, uh, any, most psychiatrists, um, the few of them that are still taking on new patients, they'll go onto your file. And as soon as they say eating disorder, Let's say nope. Yeah, then they'll refer you to Abby Lane or to the Garen to hospital oh, wow. treatment, really? right. which you've already done. But I'm trying to go for my other mental health issues. Are you are you um, still taking medication right now? Yeah. So I had switched on to Zoloft um, like a year ago. And you find that that's working? F- I don't know. Better, better than the Prozac? <laughs> better than Prozac, yeah, yeah. but... Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. How do you, when you say that you don't know, I mean, you've been taking it for, for a year. What, what do you know about it? I know that it fucks me if I don't take it. Right. Um, I know that it kind of made me a little like sick when I would increase doses, but like I, it's hard to compare how you were versus how you are Mm -hmm. in aspects like that. Cause I don't feel a huge difference, but in the same breath, I'm like, I'm scared to go off it. Because mm. I don't know what, what would happen, happen. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. But what? this is the point where I'm at now, and like, quite honestly, like I know I sound like I'm. <laughs> I feel like I've talked myself into such a hole here, where I'm like, oh, I'm still sick. Everyone, no, 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 no. Where no. I'm like, you didn't though. Like I'm, I'm proud of myself. I like, th- like where I've be. come so far. But the problem is, I'm not done. Well, that's right. And and, and here's the yeah. thing: that it's not that you talked yourself into a hole. I don't, yeah. think, you did. <laughs> I don't that, think you did either. It's that we're sitting on this side of the table. With this this notion coming into it, unbeknownst to us, right. thinking Abby's on the other side. Yeah. Abigail is in full on, like full on recovery. Yeah. And then we get to the end of the story. We get to the end of the, the you know, hour and 20 minutes we've been here <laughs> and go, oh, wait a fucking minute. We're not at, we're the, not end of the, at the end. Of the, we're not at the end. And you're not in full recovery. You're you're still in it. Yeah. But you've come miles and miles and miles. Yeah. It's just the it's like the moment of going of realizing. Oh, holy shit! I thought 
like, you know, I thought we were going to get to the end of this conversation and you go. And so like, here's the moment where I like, I got, you know, I got the sticker and the badge and they were like, you're good to go. You're yeah. all healed up. We were alluding to that like a, a number the of whole times. time. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, holy fuck, we still haven't got no, ever. It's like holding in a sneeze. You're like, oh, fuck. Like, the story's yeah. not resolved. But, like, yeah. But, but and that's what it is. And, but, but it, I mean, it, it, and you know, I, th- there's a part of me that's like. I, f- I feel so proud of you oh, for, you. for <laughs> coming where you've, where you've come. But then there's also this part of me that's like, oh my God, Abigail, like, <laughs> I'm like I, should, we should go out for a meal every week. Like I want to like, let's like, I want to, I, 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 I'm now, I'm falling into this, like this immediate like caretaker role where I'm going, well, I want you right. to be, I want you to be okay. So like, what are the next things the that thing we is- do? That you have to remember, and there's only so much that you can do. Yes, of for course. For anybody that in your life with an eating disorder, you can be there and you can support them and offer that mm-hmm. love. But if they don't have someone in their life giving them that professional treatment, they're not going to get better. Mm-hmm. You're just not. Um, there's a quote from a poet I really like called Blythe Berade, Berade, Um, and it's one of her poems. She says, "If you're not recovering, you are dying." And that's the truth, mm-hmm. right? So, like, there's only so much that you can do. You can't, you know, if I'm severely underweight, you can't administer a nasogastric tube into me. I bet you could if I tried. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's that kind of podcast. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> um, but but it's, it's interesting for me because, and just to, like, echo that sentiment a little bit, like, like we've been sitting here, and and you look good. And, like... Thank you. It, <laughs> I, I always try to refrain from like commenting on the way that people look because I don't know. I, I didn't see you when you were quote unquote at your worst. And I, mm-hmm. I yeah. it, it frankly, it doesn't really matter. But, but like you're bubbly, you're energetic, you're, Thank you're, you. you seem like you're full of life. And I know that you have a job here in the city and you're dancing and it seems like things are going well. So it's, it's, I, I don't know. Like there's, it's, there's definitely been some, improvement yeah right but, but like, this is kind of like time, what i really over. wanted to like put out there by doing this and by mm-hmm. like opening up was like a i'm proud of myself i wanted to share my story so far and b this is reality for almost everyone i know that has gone through mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like sp- any mental health treatment but specifically treatment for eating disorders in the city it's fucking it's bad mm-hmm. i have so many friends that like people that i i knew in the hospital <laughs> and then i've seen them outside and they're just as bad as they were when they're in or no better or people that went through the same thing I did. And they're like, I'm basically trying to figure it out on my own now. Cause there's not that external support. As long as you know that like you've done an incredible job on your own, but as long as you, you, you keep working towards and those people and, who are listening, who are in that situation, keep working towards getting that professional help too. That's even my point. if it might and seem like, hard to get, you need to self advocate. Mm. Like you have to, because like, no one's going to do it for you, right? Like you got to like step up and be like, I'm either going to, this is going to kill me or it won't. Okay. So then the question that we always ask out of all of this and your yeah. atypical anorexia and your anorexia and your, your anxiety and, and everything, mm-hmm. what's the biggest thing that all of this has taken away from you? Um, I... I'm so hyper aware of my mouth noises. 
Yeah. That's what it's taken away from me. <laughs> you got some water there. Oh, yeah. I feel like it'd be really loud. <laughs> Bubbly it's water. Like I love that noise. I know. I love that noise. Oh, yeah. There you go. Right into the mic. Okay. Um, the biggest thing I think it would take away is like, I felt like I lost a lot of growing up. Like being a teenager and like mm-hmm. fucking around, like doing sleepovers and blah, 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 blah. Between like the anxiety of it all and like being afraid that everyone hated me and also. What if I go there and I have to eat something that I don't want to eat? Like, even now, like, I'm just like, I don't know how to be a teenager. And I'm almost, I'll be 20 next year. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like I'm, like, I missed out on most of high school. But that's also my own fault. So I just have to learn to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? So there's this kind of point where I'm like, I could linger and be like, I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life because, oh, I was cheated out of my, my childhood and blah, blah, blah. Or I can just be like, yep, that's over. So I can move forward, mm-hmm. right? But there are times when I'm just like, damn. Like, I wish I had enjoyed my life, <laughs> like, up until now a little bit more. What's the biggest thing that it's given you? <laughs> Good at lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. Something else, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. where I want to leave the podcast. That's yeah. the message to all my sick friends. My <laughs> drop, yeah. Perfect, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think it's given me a bit of courage in the sense that, like, you need to speak up. Otherwise, you're just going to keep being sick. You know, you have to speak up for yourself and with any illness. But just like this is going out to all my Nova Scotians struggling out there. The healthcare system here, as far as mental health goes, is shit. It is bad. It's not good. It's very flawed in its current state. There's a long way to go. There's a very and long way to go. I think there's a go. long way to go across the entire country. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I just I know access here is really hard to get, so you just need to like buckle down and like get the help you need. And that's mm-hmm. like easier said than done. But the fact is like no one if you just keep waiting for someone to go, "Oh, I'm really worried about you here. I set you up in an appointment with a therapist." It's not going to happen. You have to go in and you have to really say like no i need help mm-hmm. i do need help you know i need help someone well, help me abigail your courage is, is definitely apparent <laughs> thank you inflate and, my and, ego <laughs> and, and coming in and sharing your story and honestly you know it's not by design that we do this but most of the podcasts that we record we're speaking to people who have been through their experience like they've their stories happen to them. There's a yeah. beginning, a middle, and, and an end. But the reality is, is that when you are trying to take the principles of what we talk about on Sick Boy and apply them to your own life, most of the time the conversations you're going to have are with people who are in the midst right in the middle of something. Yeah. Right. So I think that it is important to have conversations like this. And and I want to thank you for being courageous and and. Sharing this with us. That was my point. Like, it, and I don't mean to like come on and be like, "Oh, I'm still sick." And blah blah. blah. No, no, no. It's more like I. It's kind of me just saying, like, "Hey, this is what it's like right now. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where I'm at." A lot of and people that we've spoken, a lot of people are at, and and a lot of people with people with eating disorders that we've spoken to are. It's it's a never ending recovery process too. That's yeah. right. Yeah, because it'll flare up and it'll flare down and. You'll like find yourself slipping back and it'll just be like random things. You know, you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm leaving the crust behind on my toast or I just chewed that and then I spit it out and I didn't even think about it. You know, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. You know, 
I hid my lunch. Why did I do that? Mm -hmm. I was going to eat that, (laughs) you know, or it'll kind of creep back in. So like you need actual help from professionals who can pick up on that and say, Hey, I think you're sliding back. Let's figure out why you're doing that and kind of like prevent it a little Mm. bit. Right. So, well, I'm, I have a feeling that this won't be the first time that we'll have you on this podcast. (laughs) I'd like to check back in with you in like two years (laughs) and see where the conversation's at then. Um, but I just no tanking before the next. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, Big water belly. (laughs) Um, well, thank you, Abigail. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for coming in and and being a guest for tonight. But uh, I want to say thank you for for. I'm just really glad we've met. <laughs> thank you. I'm also glad we've met. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're. I think you're a really wonderful person. Yeah. And I'm. I'm glad to call you a friend. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. Uh, that's all I got, man. I'm just, I fucking, I just love that we get everybody. to do this. This is like yeah. not the direction I thought this whole podcast was going to go. But You like, never know where it's going to oh. go. You never fucking know. Oh my goodness. Uh, so thank you again. Thank and you. thank you all out there in the podcast world for listening. Um, <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it. And as always, we'll be back next week with another fantastic episode. But in the meantime... Head over to Apple Podcasts, hit uh, hit the subscribe button, leave a rating and a review. Go to patreon.com slash sickboy. Uh, hook us up. Hook us up. Help us out. We could use your financial support. Uh, we're, we're, not, we're not on a network anymore. Like, no, man. We're, we're independent. We're, yeah. on this, we're on this. It's a solo shit. We're actually going to be hiring an, a paid intern. Um, are we? Yeah, if we get three thousand dollars a month on Patreon, which we're working oh. towards that goal right now. Well, that's good to that's know. The next I, goal. I need a job as of November. So. Hey, well, there you go. We need to give Abigail a job, everyone. So <laughs> help her out. Um, and uh, and hey, big thanks to old Donovan there. Oh, Donovan the Meerkat. Wow. Morgan. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I for miss Donovan it. CPAP Morgan. Yeah, I know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway, good thing he put in those respirator sounds. That's make it right. Sound like we're in the CPAP machine. That's it. We're inside the CPAP <laughs> machine. Yeah, it's all echoey and stuff. You can hear. It. You can feel. It. Oh, made my. It makes you feel uncomfortable. My ear holes tingle a little bit. Yuck. Uh, and thanks to uh, the band Take Part, who actually made the intro song. Um, and but you know what? A couple weeks ago, we uh, we threw it out to uh, a song by the Royal North. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking maybe we just you know, do it again. Yeah, why not? Well, sure. You know, Make it a different song this time, Donovan. Yeah, Donovan's band, the Royal North. They're really great. Donovan, uh, pick the song. Here's here here's how we choose it. Donovan, uh, play us out to the song that you hate playing the most when you guys <laughs> go on tour. Because I know the bands have songs that they fucking love, and then they have songs that are like, I don't like this one. So your bandmates probably aren't listening this far into the podcast, even if they listen to the show. So choose the song that you hate the most. Pretty much nobody's listening right now. Yeah, that's right. And then and then play us out. Uh, that's it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Jeremy. I'm Abigail. And this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.